I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Views and opinions expressed by those involved in the show are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the newbie guide to Sweden. Hey, hey, good morning, good dog, hello, good kvel, whichever suits you. Welcome back to another episode of the Newbie Guide to Sweden podcast. My name is Shiona and God, I'm so chuffed that you're here with me again. This is the second episode of the podcast, but if this is your first time tuning in, that's totally fine. This podcast is a hot pot of all things Swedish, aimed at fellow newbies just like you who have come to call this place home. Each episode will meet fellow newbies just like you, folks who are doing interesting and amazing things in Sweden, as well as learn about Swedish culture and hit up different areas of the country that maybe you haven't visited just yet. Today we are venturing to a part of Sweden where I dare say most of you have been before. We're going to uncover a nasty, brutal, utterly horrific part of Sweden's history. But don't worry, we'll then take the edge off by introducing you to another cool newbie who is doing great things in the same area. As always, your input can make a huge difference to the shape of this podcast. So don't forget to get involved in the discussions in the Newbie Guide to Sweden Facebook group and also our Instagram at the Newbie Guide to Sweden. This is where we're going to ask you questions, take polls, get your insight on topics that we want to cover in the upcoming episodes. It's all collaborative, baby. But for now, sit back and relax and let's kick things off with another five-minute fika pause of the headlines happening around Sweden right now so you are up to speed with all things Sveria. Here's just some of the things that culturally happening in Sweden right now. First up, Vasa Loppet happened last weekend. Vasa Loppet is the annual cross-country ski race held on the first Sunday of March every year. Vasa Loppet is actually the biggest and oldest cross-country skiing race in the world, attracting thousands of eager skiers, both professionals and amateurs, from all over the planet. While anyone can do Vasa Loppet, it's a hell of a race, and a lot of training is required to successfully complete it. Vasa Loppet starts in Sälen and stretches for 90 kilometres, ending at Mora. 
The whole thing is televised and watched by around 2 million people in Sweden alone. It is a huge deal. This year, Vasiloppet was won by Andreas Nigard for the men and Astrid Slind for the women, two Norwegians. And if you're not already aware, Swedes and Norwegians have a, a healthy little rivalry going on. And the fact that Vasiloppet has been won by a Norwegian for the last 10 years has not gone unnoticed. But... I think the coolest thing about Vasiloppet is the history behind it. This 90-kilometre journey was originally taken by some very important people over 500 years ago. Back in the year 1520, a Swedish nobleman called Gustav Eriksson had fled to Dalarna. He was desperately trying to recruit an army to rise up and rebel against Sweden's latest evil Danish king. Gustav went from village to village to village, but he didn't have much success recruiting. Gustav ended up at the village called Mura, telling the farmers there all about the Danish king's horrifying and brutal ways. But they wouldn't believe Gustav and refused to join him. Having run out of options, Gustav then decided to flee to Norway. However, not long after Gustav left Mura, the villagers there started to hear more rumours about the horrors the Danish king was causing in Stockholm and immediately regretted not joining Gustav's crusade. The farmers of Mura needed to bring Gustav back and lead them to a revolution. So they sent two of their best skiers off to catch up with Gustav. They eventually found him 90 kilometres away in Salen and escorted him back to Mura. Not long afterwards, Gustav, with his new army, triumphed over the evil Danish king. And Gustav became Sweden's next king, more commonly known as King Gustav Vasa. That journey that he and those two farmers took from Salen back to Mura became the basis of the Vasa Loppet. And if they had never taken that journey, who knows what would have become of Sweden? Other news for those of you who listened to the last episode, you are hopefully very well aware that Melody Festivalen's grand final is on tomorrow night. Oh my God. This will be the evening we finally find out who will be representing Sweden in this year's Eurovision. Personally, my money is on Cornelia Jacobs. Okay, my dear darling newbie friend, let us walk together. We're going to take a little trip to somewhere literally quite close to me, being a Stockholmer, but perhaps this place is, in a way, close to all of us who move here, no matter where we end up in the country. It's a place bursting with Swedish culture having bore witness to many significant moments in Swedish history, some dating back a thousand years. Today, this place hosts beautiful shops on cobblestone paths, around 3,000 residents, and a hell of a lot of tourists. I am, of course, talking about Gamla Stan in Stockholm. 
All of Gamlistan is like a walk-in museum with many houses built on medieval ground, particularly the area within Vestalongatan and Östalongatan, where a wall once stood surrounding the town in the Middle Ages. Looking around now, you feel the pride and the effort Stockholm has put into protecting and preserving Gamlistan. It's a proud jewel of the city. But it wasn't always like that. In fact, there was a time Gamlistan was considered so poor, disgusting and unsanitary that many felt it was a disgrace for Stockholm. And they even wanted to get rid of it. In the mid-1800s, it was decided that Gamlistan would be demolished. And the only reason it was saved was because it's super expensive to flatten a whole city island. Gamlistan was considered an unsanitary, poor slum. The water was polluted, there was no trash collection, it was super overcrowded. The conditions meant that a third of infants would die during their first year. The rich and noble who used to live there had long left for more savoury parts of town and Gamlistan's buildings were left to rot and deteriorate. A really effective way of imagining exactly what life was like during this time is to look at how sewerage was handled on Gamlistan up until the 1800s. Now newbies, I hope you're not eating because we are going to dive deep into sewerage. Back in the old days, there was naturally no sophisticated sewerage systems, but on Gamlastan, it was a literal shit show. Back then, your toilet was just a small drain shooting out from your house, which usually ended up right outside your gate near the front door. And your ones and twos would just sit there until the rain washed them away. And keep in mind, we're talking about diets of fermented herring and meatballs, people. It is said you could smell Stockholm from several miles away in the Middle Ages all the way up to the 1800s. Fun fact, there's a few houses in Gamlestan which still have their original dunny drains, which you can see from the street. A good place to see one is on Nigrand 2, where a sewer drain from the 17th century can be spotted to the left of the gate. Thankfully, as far as we know, it is no longer in use. 
Now, there's no shortage of historical moments that were centred around Gamlistan, but probably one of the most um, memorable is the bloodbath of 1520. Now, I should probably put some kind of trigger warning here. If you don't like blood or baths, you should probably skip over the next four minutes. No judgment. Okay. As for the rest of you freaks, let's dive in. The year is 1520. The King of Denmark, King Christian II, having already invaded Sweden, has taken the capital, Stockholm. Oi! He just took our capital! Snooze you lose, bitches! To celebrate his victory, he decided to hold a big fancy party on November 7th, which lasted for three days. It was a rager. Anyone who was anyone was there. Swedish noble families from all over the country came to get their groove on. However, like most parties that last for three days, things started to turn a bit sour. Hey guys, King Christian II here. Thanks for coming. God, it's been wild. Uh, but look, actually, I think I'd like to play a little game now. No, not spin the bottle, Lash. You got too weird last time. No, the game is called Out With All The Arseholes. You didn't think I should be king. Let's play. King Christian II locked the gates and immediately put all the Swedish nobles before a judge to be interrogated. Those accused were sentenced to death. Guilty. Guilty. And were immediately taken to Stortoriet to be executed. Roughly 90 people were killed, mostly by beheading. It is said that the heads of those killed tumbled down the street called Korkbrinken. Oh, there goes Lars. Their bodies were left in the square for many days. Ooh, watch your step. As a reminder to never cross their new Danish, slightly unhinged king. Even today it is said that when the nights of November 7 to 10 are particularly bitter and humid, you can still see the blood flowing in the gutters around Stortoriet. This horrible moment is regarded as Stockholm's bloodbath, and perhaps now we also know where they got the inspiration for the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones. Over a hundred years later, in 1650, a guy called Johan had the big red house built in Stortoriet, which still stands there today. You can see that this house has 92 white stones inserted into its facade. Each stone is said to represent a person killed in the Stockholm bloodbath. It is said that as long as these stones remain in their setting, the murdered spirits will be at peace. However, should any stone disappear from this house, the person it represents will become a ghost and have to walk the city streets forever and feast upon the flesh of those who move to Sweden from other countries. Okay, I made that last little bit up, but the rest of it is totally true. Now, in case you haven't already figured it out, King Christian II 
was the evil Danish king that I mentioned earlier when I spoke about the Vasalopet. Yes! It was the Stockholm bloodbath that motivated Gustav Eriksson, later known as King Gustav Vasa, to revolt against the king and travel all the way to Dalarna to set up an army to overthrow him. In fact, one of the victims of the Stockholm bloodbath was Gustav's own father. No wonder he was pissed. Thankfully, as you know, it wasn't long after this event that King Christian II was overthrown. It just goes to show, being an arsehole king usually doesn't work out too well. This was fun, but it is clear that I am no historian. But thankfully, I found an expert who can tell us more about this fascinating place. And she is a newbie. Let me introduce Fer Donoso from Fer Donoso Tours. Hello, Fer. Hi, Sean. Nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you. And we are sitting here on Gamlastan. Gamlastan. And we're here at uh, Kop, Kop Cafe. Cafe Koppen. Cafe mm-hmm. Koppen in the basement, which mm-hmm. seems like a gajillion years old. Yes, it, it, I think most of the basements here that you find, in, especially in this area, or the main square of Storgen, they go back to the 1300s, 13, oh 1400s. Oh my goodness, we are, we are existing in history right now. Yeah. It's amazing to meet you, Fair, because I, as I understand it, you work with Swedish history because you're a tour guide. I'm a tour guide. I'm, I am a certified tour guide for the city of Stockholm and Stadskuset. But it's, it's a fantastic job. I think that is something that I really enjoy. And, and for me, Stockholm uh, is the perfect place to showcase because Stockholm has everything. Yeah. What is your, do you have favorite parts of the city that you like to take tourists to and talk about? What's like your your wish list for a tour of Stockholm? It depends. It depends on the client, it depends on the people. If I have to pick places uh, without falling into a cliche, I think one of the best places, or a must, not the best places, but a mm. must, mm. to visit when you're in Stockholm is the Vasa Museum. Oh, I love that, the Vasa. That is, uh, that is, I never stop to be in awe every time I get into the museum. Yeah. Um, one of my colleagues, actually, um, she referred to, to the Vasa, which is best preserved galleon Worship from the 1600s. Mm. People don't understand it's the only one in the world, and 98% of it is it's original. Yeah. From the sails to the ropes, absolutely everything. And she described uh, the Vasa as the sleeping beauty of yeah. Stockholm. Yeah. And it's because it, it sank on the maiden voyage mm. and it laid on the bottom of the sea for 333 years. Yeah. So I think that that description, it, it encompasses a lot mm. so that I think is a must for mm. everyone regardless and it's a fun place for mm. but would you say like it's a place you could go back to again if yes you... I go I, every single time that you go to the Vasa you, you discover something new yeah I mean right? I, you really discover mm. something new it's a very nice place it's very peaceful it's it gives you some kind of energy, I don't know, it takes mm. you back in time. When you're taking people on tours around Stockholm, is there anywhere that you take them where you go, oh, this will absolutely blow the minds of my tour group? Again, it depends on the group, but I think that 
One of the beauties of Stockholm is the sightseeing, the landmarks. We are right now in, in Gamla Stan. Mm. Uh, Stan, or the old town, it's located in Stadsholmen. This is one of the 14 islands that Stockholm, the main city of Stockholm, is, is built upon. Yeah. This island connects from one side Lake Mellerin and the other side is the Baltic Sea. Yeah. So f- from the side of Lake Mellerin you have a place called Montilius Began. Mm. It's a 500 meter cliff path overlooking all the side of the side of the lake and you have the Stadskuse, the city yeah. the city hall in front of you. And opposite side, you also have the same thing that is called Fjallgatan, mm. which is called the balcony of Stockholm. Yeah. And you have a totally different view from the oldest part of Stockholm, from the Baltic Sea. Yeah. So when you have those kind of two things, people get really blown away. Mm. Now, personally, I, I have other places that I really, really like. That not a lot of people go there. Hepsholmen in Castellet. Yeah. Um, that's a little fort in, in that island of Castellholmen. If you go behind that fort, you have a fantastic view of the entrance of oh, Stockholm. Especially when you see all the cruise ships coming. Mm. It is a fantastic view because the entrance to Stockholm is very narrow. Mm. And when you have these humongous cruise ships going by your side like that yeah. it's 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 quite impressive it's quite a view it is i like that one of the beauties of of stockholm is still that it's one of the few capitals in the world that you can go all the way to the city center with a ship yeah so there's no many places in the world that you can still do that mm-hmm. there's been a lot of speculation during the last few years, not only in Sweden, but within the cruise uh, industry, that they don't want to allow the cruise ships to get into the cities because of pollution. Mm. But until today, it's, it's a magnificent view. I mean, you get with a cruise ship basically to the main street of of Stockholm, yeah, the you center don't have of to Stockholm. Take a you, cab for an, an hour or a bus. Absolutely, you're just there. You just get out of there. Mm. You walk. 10, 15 minutes and you're in the city center. Yeah. You're here. You're here in Gamla Star. So it, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, it is that's wonderful. such a good point. I wanted to ask Far more about the process of becoming a certified tour guide in Stockholm. How exactly does it work? What's the process like when it comes to becoming a proper, fully-fledged, certified <laughs> tour guide in Sweden? There's only a couple of places that in Stockholm you can get the course, that you can get the certification. Hmm. It's a six, seven months course, intense course, hmm. that covers everything, not only, not only history, politics, education, hmm. uh, welfare, legends, myths, traditions. And for me, besides the tourist part, the focusing on the job and everything, through this course, with this training, with the certificate, you understand the Swedish culture much, much more. Yeah. Uh, I think I was able to connect certain dots that for me they were floating out there yeah so you you were able to understand more why things happen or why 
what's the train of thought of certain things or certain decisions that happen here? Does it make like certain aspects of Swedish culture make more sense? Like, oh, this is why Swedes yes. do this. Yes, because I think that for any any expat moving to any country in the world, trying to understand whatever culture that you go to, hmm. at the beginning it, it can be a little bit daunting. I mean, hmm. it takes time to to grasp how things work. Yeah. So I think that these teach you not not only the history of or of Gamlastan or Stockholm or its people, but it 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 shows you the the core of what Sweden and the Stockholm is. It sounds like a course that would be fun to do, whether it's, you're a tour guide or not. It sounds it super was, interesting. It was fantastic, and, and the teachers over there were fantastic mentors, mm. fantastic mentors. I, I, I cannot never stop saying that. Because the, the point of this is us to be the ambassadors mm. of Sweden. We, yeah. have, we are the voice or the faces of Stockholm. Yeah. Seeing as I was getting to know one of the faces of Stockholm, I wanted to get to know more about Fer, the person, the expat who chose to move to Sweden. How long have you been living in Sweden? I've been here seven years. Fabulous. I arrived here in 2015. Lovely. To Stockholm. And what brought you here? Uh, like everyone, love and family. <laughs> <laughs> Me <laughs> too. <laughs> the same. <laughs> You originally come from Colombia, is that correct? I was born in Colombia. My yes. mom's Colombian, uh, and all my family from my mom's side lives in Colombia. I never lived there. I grew, <laughs> but I never lived there. I grew up in Ecuador because my dad is from Ecuador. Okay. He was studying in Colombia. I, they got married. I was born. We moved there. Yeah. Um, I studied in Ecuador. Then I moved to the States. I lived and worked there. Um, but after I finished high school, one of the things that I did is, and that's why I got involved with tourism, is I studied tourism in Switzerland. In Switzerland? Yeah. My so that was, Lord. That was long before computers and <laughs> everything that you can do yourself. So that was a course for that. So I studied tourism in Switzerland, and that's how I got involved with tourism. Okay, so you've been doing tourism for a long time. You've been a tour guide in other countries? No, what I, uh, when I finished my program, I worked for Iberia, which is the Spanish Airlines. Okay. For several, several years. Then I opened my own business. It has nothing to do with tourism back at home in Ecuador before I moved to the States. Okay. And yeah. then in the States, again... Totally different path. I work for BBVA, which is a Spanish bank, one of the largest um, banks in the world. The headquarters for the states were in, in Alabama, where I used to live. Yeah. And after that, I moved here to Sweden. Here. Okay, so you've, you've lived in Ecuador, Switzerland, you've lived in Alabama and Stockholm, and there's probably more places that you've lived, but out of all of the places you've lived, is there one place that feels like... Home? That's a very hard question. Mm. I remember my mom saying, because also my mom moved into another country, my mom will used to say that she's always happy everywhere, Yeah. but she's never complete. Not in a bad way. Mm. Is that 
there's always a little piece missing somewhere. So when I'm here, I'm home 100%. Mm, okay. But I have a little thing that misses back home. Yeah. And when I'm with my parents and my sisters and everything, yeah. I feel 100% at home. Mm. And there's a little hole missing that I say, okay, yeah. I need to back to back to Stockholm. So home is where your friends and family are. Yeah. I have friends and family all over the places. Yeah. But... Um, it's very hard to feel complete in one place mm. when when you're an expat, and, yeah. and and I don't think that is nothing negative or or that you are sad or depressed or cry. No, not no. at all. But you divide your heart. That that's the thing. You divide your heart, mm. and you accommodate your heart and your life yeah. to that moment where you're living. In. Yeah. But for me, when I'm when I'm in Stockholm, I'm I'm home. Yeah, you feel home. And I'm, you, I'm I'm home. Yeah, and yeah. you have no sort of desire to leave at right now. No, like, no, not at all. Not yeah. at all. To tell you the truth, and this is a hundred percent honestly, of all the places that I've lived, including my home countries, Sweden is a fantastic place to live. It is. I am not saying that everything is perfect all over the world, but. I don't think that people realize that Sweden, when it comes to education, mm. corruption, transparency, mm. um, welfare, women's rights, mm. children's rights, gays' rights, mm. um, technology, mm. people don't understand that Sweden is in the top five in top ten countries in absolutely everything in the world. Yeah. Yeah, in absolutely everything in the world. Mm. Mm. Swedes, by nature, are very humble. Mm. Yes, they are very humble people. Yes. they don't like to brag. Mm. Uh, bragging here, it's considered very, very tacky. Yeah, it is, they, isn't it? They, they don't like it at all. Mm. But every single day, all over the planet, someone is using something that it was made, discovered, developed in Sweden. Yeah, absolutely. The zipper. The zipper. Jab, the zipper. That is Swedish. That is Swedish. <laughs> matches. A match is Swedish. Matches. Most of the table of elements are Swedish. Oh, my God. And the propeller. Cell phones. Absolutely everything. So nobody realizes how much Sweden has affected the world. This little little nation. It, this it's little, a little little nation. Powerhouse. It's a it's a powerhouse, but mm. in every single area. Yeah. I mean, music wise. Music. Songwriters, um, the best songwriters for pop. Best songwriters. Um, so everywhere that you go, you find something that is that is Swedish, and people don't realize that. No, and that's the thing, isn't it? I guess like once you're living here. You realize these things. But Sweden doesn't really have, like, the billboard Mm-mm. going, we've done this. And it's it's almost like, do you find when people visit you here, they're really surprised by Sweden? It's very, they're very surprised. They're yeah. very surprised. Also, it's, um, it's very, very interesting because if they want to brag, they have every single aspect to do so. Yeah. I'm not saying that everything is perfect, but... They have absolutely everything to be proud of this country. Yeah, absolutely. They, are, they should be proud of this country. It is a fantastic place. And are you, fair? are you proud to be living here and being yes. part of this country? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think when I, when I t- 
tell people that I live in Sweden, first of all, it's like, Sweden? Why? What are you doing <laughs> there? Again, they think that I live in an igloo, <laughs> the darkness. <laughs> I don't know what they think. They think you're wearing Viking helmets. They're the Viking helmets. <laughs> they think, um, they feel Sweden, it's so far away, so remote, so... So foreign. So foreign. So foreign. Mm -hmm. Because when people come to Europe, from the States or Latin America or whatever, when they say, oh, I'm going to Europe, it's Paris, London, Berlin, Berlin, (laughs) Rome. But people who come to Sweden, come Mm. to the Nordic countries, they are people who are really interested in knowing about the the Nordic life, the Nordic countries. As a tour guide... Then that also sort of, you know, you're not getting the sort of typical tourist on your tours, no. right? You're getting people who have dared to go yeah. somewhere that's not the norm. No. So does that make your job kind of, I guess, more hard? Because you've got people who are, I guess, they're, they've got a lot of expectations if they're coming all the way to Sweden. First of all, I thank them because yeah. I know that there's a lot of options to travel yeah. around the world right now. Yeah. To come to Sweden, I really... First of all, I, I tell the people, thank you to coming and to choosing Sweden because it's... I think that the people who come here have some idea of Sweden. Yeah. But again, they don't know what to expect. And yeah. people who, who come here, they, they mm. realize that it's a very mm. special place. Mm. It's a very special place. Yeah. I actually think being a tourist in your own city or a tourist in your own country is so fun. Yeah. And I would recommend, like, doing a tour... Where you live, it gives you a totally, a totally different perspective. A totally different perspective. And there's, and, and there's always something new to learn. Absolutely. I mean, within us tour guides, we also take tours with different tour guides. Oh, of course. We How also fun. do the same thing. Because uh, I might know about this, but the person besides me, he will know us about something different. Yeah. So within us, we are always discovering something new. There's always something new to discover. It can be a legend, a myth, mm. um, tradition, a place. A ho- I mean, something. You always learn something new. Yeah. Always, always, always learn something new. So I highly recommend. I just loved meeting Fur and listening to how passionate she was about Sweden and Stockholm. I mean, it's not every day you meet someone so positive and energetic, particularly in the middle of winter in Sweden. If you're interested in doing a tour with Fur, you can hit her up via her website, furdenosotours.com, or on her Instagram, furdenosotours. That's F-E-R-D-O-N-O-S-O tours. I'll also link to her in the episode notes too. Before I finish with Fair, she has a couple of little gems for you. I, of course, had to bring up my new obsession, which is a stock on bloodbath with Fair. And there's some extra tidbits that I didn't know. When you go out, mm. I can show you right now. Yeah. It's a legend. The house, it has a cannonball. It is said that that cannonball was fired against Christian II during the, the stock on bloodbath. Really? Yeah. So it was fight, like to try and get him. To try to get him. That's the legend. Ew. True or false, I don't know. But the cannonball is there. Oh my god! Then we, then I definitely. Yeah. But you know what the thing is with with the blood van? That I'm not saying that the king was not responsible for that. But 
really the the mastermind behind this was uh, the Archbishop of, of Stockholm. Really? Yeah, it was a revenge. <gasps> what? <laughs> because Olaus Petri, who was the Archbishop, he was uh, he wanted for Sweden to be continued part of the Danish kingdom. And he previously was imprisoned and mm-hmm. all his wealth and properties were taken away. Mm-hmm. So it was payback time. He, he felt betrayed and so they accused him of heresy. So he accused them, they accused him of, of heresy and that's how he kind of got her revenge. Mm-hmm. So Christian II, of course, he is the one who, who gave the order to kill them because it was his order. But there were a lot of strings pulled behind the curtains in there. Oh, yeah. that just adds this great new layer. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So, there you go. Maybe there needs to be a part two of the Newbie Guide to Sweden's version of the Stockholm Bloodbath. You never know. Time for some tips. This time about Gamlestan. Guys, there's a ton of amazing places to eat and drink on Gamlestan, and I have committed to a pleasant and digestible length of podcast episode. So I'm going to give you some tips based entirely on different scenarios. Scenario one, mum and dad are in town. Obviously, you need to take mum and dad to the Royal Palace and do a tour. You can even see the king's old stuffed horse there. Apparently, that's great if you're into that kind of thing. For food, I recommend Östelongatan 17. I took my mum and her husband there the first time they came to Stockholm and it was fabulous. The food is really good without costing a kidney and the location is deep within Gamlestan, so it's a lovely walk there. And you're closely located to the cool statue of a king on a horse killing a dragon called St George and the Dragon. Another strong recommendation is Den Gildene Frieden. It's a classic old restaurant which more or less looks the same as it did the day it opened in 1722. Fun fact, the Svenska Akademin, which is the group of people who select the Nobel Prize for Literature, are closely connected to Den Gildene Frieden. They have a weekly tradition of eating dinner there every Thursday night at the same table. It is said that many Nobel Prizes have been decided at that very spot. Scenario 2. The Drinking Buddy. If you're into cocktails, head to Ferrarium on Stortoriet or the Corner Club, which is located close to the Gamlestan Tunnelbana. I'll be honest with you, it'll cost you a kidney to drink at these places, but it is very much worth it. The cocktails are fantastic. If you're into whiskey, absolutely go to Tweed, which is located on Lilla Nygatan. It's a sea of Chesterfield couches, it's bloody groovy, and they have a great range of whiskies. But if someone in your party doesn't like whiskey, don't worry about it. There's plenty of other options because restaurants Burgundy, Juret, and Flickgun are also located in the same building. So there's plenty of other options aside from whiskey. 
Beer lovers, I can recommend Zum Franziskaner. They boast one of the best and most impressive German beer taps in the city. And they also stock the true-to-style German beers from Niedersham's Ongbriggeri, who we visited in the previous episode. They also have great German food and are located on Huebsbrunn, just near the water. Scenario 3. A date with someone special. Guys, you cannot go past the restaurant Burgundy, which is located in the same building as Tweed. For real, Burgundy is one of my favourite restaurants in the whole of Stockholm. It's so cosy inside. It's really cool that you have to walk past a hotel reception to get there. The food is fantastic and not too expensive. These guys really focus on their wine and they have one of the best and most adventurous wine ranges I've ever seen. But what makes this place so special is the staff. They're really knowledgeable, friendly, and they make a real effort to get to know you. It really feels like you're being welcomed into someone's home. Huge recommendation for Burgundy. They're located on Lille Niergarten. Scenario four, hotspots for newbies. Gamlastan is really good for expats in general, but there is a pub which is kind of famous for being a bit of a hub for expats. It's called the Liffey and it's located on Stora Nugatan. So if you're in need of a friend, a fellow expat, head to the Liffey. Scenario 5. Music lovers. Head to Geronimo's or Stumpen'. Or go to both because these two live music venues are actually connected underground. Both Geronimo's and Stampin' are super quirky, they look brilliant and they host loads of great live bands throughout the week. Just look them up to see who's playing. Scenario 6. The Foodie. If you're into food, you'll be into the restaurant called Kages. They serve many smaller dishes which you can either choose between yourself or let the team set up a set menu based on the day's best dishes. Kages has loads of great reviews. I have not personally eaten there, but I have heard fantastic things. Another restaurant which you might be interested in, which I have personally tried, is Juret. This place is awesome because you're sitting beside actual ruins, which are semi-excavated. It's really, really cool. Juret, like Kages, is on the white guide. People seem to love it, but I'll be honest with you. Once I ate a goose heart there, and I'm... I'm just not convinced you need to go through life eating a goose heart. So they're pretty bold. I'm just putting it out there. Do what you want. Follow your heart. Follow your goose heart. Well, that's... Oh, sorry about that. It's uh, I just got a text from my Swedish father-in-law, Arne. I call him Arne Banana. Actually, Arne Banana is pretty amazing. He's a retired school teacher and he has so many fun facts about Sweden. And ever since his podcast started, he's just been firing off facts to me to tell you guys. In fact, he just sent one. Tell the podcast. Okay. He wants me to tell you guys that the St. George and the Dragon statue, you know, the one I mentioned before with the king on a horse killing the dragon. That is, oh, that is actually not the original statue. Do you know where the original is? No, we don't. The original is in Stur Shurka on Gamlastan and is made out of wood and has many beautiful colors. Wow. The original statue was made in 1489, which makes it 
533 years old. Oh my God. That's amazing. Thanks, Anna Banana. Ah, oh, thanks, you legend, Anna Banana. So there you go. Something else for you. Well, guys, we've come to that time. If you're still listening, thank you so much for sticking around. Please let me know your thoughts on Gumlastan. What did I miss? What are your favorite spots to eat and drink? Do you have any crazy historical stories to share? Let me know via the Newbie Guide to Sweden Instagram page or Facebook group. I would love to hear from you. Until next time, take it easy and hade bra. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.